Amen. Well, we are in uh, the book of Hebrews. Uh, we are in the book of Hebrews. Uh, we're going to be going over chapter 11. But before I go into that chapter, I just, you know, I just want to, as we, as you're turning there, just want to talk about something here. And, and I want to just prepare our hearts for what the Lord has to share with us. And many of us are here because we believe that uh, God is real. I don't think that, uh, that if we didn't trust in him or trust in his word, that many of us would be here. Uh, we know that we're here because we love him, we want to serve him. And, and if he wasn't real, I don't think many of us would have came this morning, that many of us would be here now. We know one thing is that we can't see God physically, that is for sure. But we know that he is real. See, you and I, if, if we knew that, if the world could see, I should say, that if they could see God in the flesh or they could see him physically, then we know that there would be many that would be coming to the faith. But we know that our relationship is all based on faith. That's what it's based on. And this faith that we have, this faith choice that we made in the Lord, it's so real that we're willing to endure that we're willing to endure pain, that we're willing to endure sorrow, persecution, trials, whatever it may be, because the faith that we have is real. And we do this because we do have faith in God. We have faith in his word. And that is what we're going to be speaking about today. That is what the subject matter is today. It's about faith. And we know that by definition, Faith is having a confidence, a belief, a trust in God. That's what faith is, right? Well, we believe in God. We, we trust in Him. We have a confidence in Him. And, and by definition, that is what faith is. And we know one thing about faith is that it moves us to do the impossible. It moves you and I to do some extraordinary things, right? It moves us to do some things that are incredible. And that is because of our faith. See, the natural man, we know, can't understand this, right? When they see some of the things that we do, some of the choices that we make, many of them think we're crazy, don't they? How many of them look at us and they think, you know what, you guys are nuts. You know, for doing the things that you do, you're crazy. Why would you do these things? But see, we do it because of our faith in God, our faith in the Lord. And today, the writer of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is going to give us a biblical perspective on faith. And he's also going to show us the honor that it brings to us. You know, he's going to, we're going to look at examples. You know, there's going to be various examples that we have of men and women of faith. Today, we're only going to look at three but when we look at these three, they're going to be examples for us to follow. But before we get into that, before we get into Hebrews 11, I do want to share with you what is going on. Because last week as we finished uh, uh, the previous chapter, the writer was exhorting the Hebrews, those that, the Jews that were there, that he was writing to, that belonged possibly to a church. To the church there. We don't know in what city. But we know, do know that it was made up of Jews. And 
what he wrote to them about was to exhort them in the faith, that they would continue in the faith, that they wouldn't go back to the religion that they came from, that they wouldn't go back to their old lifestyles. He wanted them to remain in the faith no matter the persecution they received, to remain in the faith no matter what suffering it brought, to remain in the faith and experience the rewards that we get. And to do this, what what does the writer do? He begins to speak to them about faith. See, he wants them to understand, so he's going to speak to them about faith and he's going to give them examples of why they should remain as we look at the men that he talks about. Let's begin by reading in verse 1 of, of Hebrews 11. It says there, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So when we read this, verse 1, when we look at this, is this a definition of faith? Remember, I define faith as being a belief, a confidence, a trust in God. This is not a definition of faith. It is more of a description of our faith. A description of what faith is does, and Moses to do. That's what we're going to be reading about here. Or this is what he's explaining here. This is what we're reading now. And the first description he gives on faith is what? He says that, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The substance of things hoped for is its first description. When you think about a substance, let's talk about that, right? Because this is how he's describing it, right? This is how... He's asking, uh, this is what he's describing as far as faith is. A substance, as we think about it, is a reality, right? When you look at a substance, it seems to be real, right? You can feel it or touch it, right? That's what a substance is. Something that you know that, that exists. See, when it comes to faith, as the writer is explaining to us here, There is a reality about it. See, even though we can't feel it and touch it, you know it's real. Because that's what it is. It is real. What we have in God, right? Our faith in God, we know that that is real because we know Him to be real. Even though you and I can't touch Him, even though you and I can't feel Him, but it says it is a substance of things hoped for. So what that means that it is a something, you know, it is a substance, a reality of something that we long for. Okay? And so for us as believers, as he's trying to explain to the Jews that are there, he's saying that faith has convinced you of something that is future, something that is real, something that's going to move you to do certain things. And then he says the second thing, there's the evidence Of things not seen. When you talk about evidence, I mean, evidence is a proof, right? I mean, when you have evidence, that means that you have a a, a proof of something. That you know that something is, is, is real, that something is clear. And that's what he describes as faith. 
See, faith has convinced us or convicted us that there is something better and something real, even though you can't see it. And it's going to move us in a certain direction. And again, as, as I've been sharing with you, you know, as we've been talking about this, this is a description of what faith does. Faith is going to move us to do something, even though we can't see it, even though we don't know it's real, but we know for a fact that it is, even though we can't touch it, but we know that it is real. And this is a faith that he's talking about here. I'm going to give you a couple of examples. One is our faith in God, right? When we talk about our faith in God, you know, when we talk about faith in Him and in His Word, you and I are convinced that He's real. Isn't that true? Even though we can't see Him, you and I are convinced that He's real. That's why we've placed our faith in Him. If He wasn't real, would anyone want to place their faith in something that you knew that wasn't? You'd be living a lie, right? Why do you want to live a lie? But we place our faith in God because we know Him to be real. Even though we can't see Him, we are convinced that He is. And so, because of our faith in Him, we know that we receive something in return, right? When we place our faith in Jesus, we receive what? Heaven, don't we? We receive eternity. It can't come to us according to what the Bible says without our faith in Jesus. And so because of our faith in Jesus, we know that we're going to receive something in return. And that is heaven. Even though we can't touch it today, right? Even though I can't see the glory of God or the glory of heaven. But I do know that it's there. Somehow there's a faith, there's a substance, there's evidence that is within me, that is moving me. To make this faith choice. Okay. I want to give you now. Another practical example. There was a time. And many of you know this. Where the Lord had given me a dream. About this church. Before I was even a pastor. Before I. Even knew the work that the Lord was going to do here. And he had given me a dream that I would be planning a church. In my heart, I knew that it was real. Even though I didn't audibly hear his voice, but I saw it in a dream. My mind could have easily believed that, you know what, this is you making it up. But I truly believed that God had given me this dream. See, if I would not have moved in faith in believing that, that God was bringing me to La Puente to plant Calvary Chapel La Puente, none of you would be sitting here today. See, the faith that I have in God moved me to do something that was impossible, something in my mind that would be incredible, something in my mind that would be extraordinary, and it moved me to do it no matter what opposition I received. See, I was willing to receive opposition to do the work that God had called me to do. See, faith moved me in this direction. 
I could never have done this unless I had faith in God and in faith in what he told me to do. See, these things are real. And the reality of all of this is that now you guys are sitting here and you are experiencing the reality of the faith choice that I made. Does that make sense to you? See, this is what God does. And this is what's so amazing about him. I want to begin to read now here in verse 2. It says, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. He's talking about the faith that they, the faith choices that they made, right? Remember, things that they hoped for, things that weren't seen, but they knew that they were real. They had, there was a, a, a proof about it, a, a, a clear direction. They, they heard God's word, and, and so they moved. And because they moved in faith, what does it say? That they obtained a good testimony. See, the men and women of God are, called, are the elders. And we're talking about now the saints of the hall of faith. This is what they're referred to. Because we're going to go over some saints that made some incredible faith choices. No matter what opposition was before them. No matter what they were going to face. No matter the ridicule, the persecution, the trials. Even their life. To do what God had called them to do. This is going to be an incredible list of men and women that show us what it means to step out in faith. No matter what's around you. And because of their faith choice, as the word of God says, they obtained a good testimony. A good witness. See, this testimony moves us now. To respect each and every one of them. To look at them as examples for us to follow. See, many of us can be encouraged and moved by what we see, right? You and I, we are encouraged usually if we hear something or we see something, right? But you know that God wants us to move to a place. Where we are encouraged, not by what we see. If you move to a place where you can be encouraged to move, not by what you see, that is called faith. See, and that is what we have here in the Word of God. That is what we have when we hear the word of God. That is what we have when, when we're sensitive to listen to that small, still voice that God has. When he speaks. You know, to be able to distinguish, is this the voice of God or is this my voice? Is this me in the flesh moving in this way? Or is this the whispers of Satan deceiving me or, or the deceitfulness of the world and that's why we have the word of God. See, these men and women heard the word of God. They were moved by faith, no matter what the outcome was. And that's the examples that we have. And the Lord is saying, or the writer of Hebrews is writing to these Jews, as well as the Lord speaking to us today, to be encouraged, to be moved by faith, no matter what outcome 
may happen, no matter what may come against you, we are all to be moved by faith. Let's read. Verse 3 says, By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. See, by faith, one of the things that we know as Christians, and this is, if you call yourself a Christian, a Christian, this is something that you need to believe in. We as Christians do not believe in evolution, right? See, when it comes to faith, we believe the word of God. And what the word of God says is that he spoke everything into existence from nothing he made everything that we see today from nothing, okay? So all the atoms and the protons and, and the electrons and all of that, that that makes material, he spoke it all into existence. It was nothing. So by his word, he made all of it. And if you can believe the first verse in the first chapter then you can believe everything else that's in the Word of God. Do you know what it says in the first verse, in the first chapter? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And if we can believe that, then there's no issue or no problems or no hindrances in believing the rest of the Bible. See, this is what we have. By faith, we believe these things. And the writer is saying, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. By faith, they came into existence. By faith, he spoke them. I know that there are many of us, even though we believe, we're still dealing with our unbelief, right? I mean, I think this is a natural thing that happens to many of us, right? I mean, we believe the word of God. We believe what he says, but there's still an unbelief that's going on within us, right? And we know that this is what happens in our, in our walk. We know that we have the enemy that continues to whisper lies in your ears and Things that aren't true. Because he doesn't want you to walk in faith. He doesn't want you to believe the truth of God. And sometimes he tries to bring much doubt. And that's what he does, right? He likes you or he wants you to doubt the word of God. And one thing that we know is that God wants us to come to a place of believing all that his word says. See, he wants you to come to a place of saying, Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. If we can come to a place of just acknowledging where we fall short, the Lord is there to meet us. Because, see, the Lord wants us to be men and women of great faith because he wants to move powerfully in and through each and every one of us. God has not chosen just power to be displayed or his might to be displayed just through a few. He wants to display it through all. 
And so when we come to this place, he wants us to say, Lord, help me. Help me with my unbelief. Help me to grow in my faith. Help me to believe all that your word says. I'm going to read to you something from Matthew. And in Matthew, it says that Jesus said to them, Matthew 17, 20, it says, So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for I assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. See, the Lord is trying to say here that because of our unbelief, you know what the San Gabriel Mountains that are there? If I had the faith that God is talking about here, I could move that mountain to right here to the back of this church. That would be incredible, wouldn't it? And that's what he's saying, that faith moves you to do some impossible things. And this is where God wants us to come to. He wants us to come to a place of growing in faith, of having this kind of faith. I know it's impossible for us to probably get to this place, but we can get closer than where we are today, can't we? And it is his faith steps and choices that he wants us to walk in. But many of us, because of the world that has beat us up, right? Because many of us have had our hearts broken. Many of you have been betrayed by people, right? That trust and faith become sort of a problem. But that's why the Lord tells us and he reminds us in his word that even though men may fail you, God will never fail you. See, men disappoint us, but God doesn't. Try to erase and, and try to, you know, put behind you the shortcomings of those that, that you loved. And look at God as a God who is faithful and a God who doesn't disappoint. See, God can do the impossible. And he wanted to do it through you. God wants to do miracles through each and every one of us. The miracles of old are miracles for today. And many of us here are miracles of God. Did you know just by the fact that you have said yes to Jesus Christ, the fact that you have been saved from hell into eternity to spend eternity with God, that that in itself is a miracle. See, because you cannot save yourself. Nothing that you can do can ever save you. No matter how much you work, how hard you do, do things, the good things that you do in life, none of that can save you. Only God can save you. And because only God can do it, that becomes a miracle. And for those that have said yes to Jesus Christ, you are a miracle, a walking miracle. But God doesn't want to stop there. God wants to just showers. To make us be that 
fountain of his blessings, the fountain of his miracles. But in order for us to receive this, we need to walk in faith no matter the consequences. And the reason I talk about this is because, see, there is much opposition for you to walk in faith. There is much heartache that will happen when you walk in faith. But understand this, that there are great rewards and there is much honor from God when we continue to walk in faith. Let's begin to read about the men and, well, like I said today, just the men of faith and women next week, you'll see. Women of faith, if not next week, the week after. In Hebrews 11, it says there in verse 4, it says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. I think many of us know which Abel he's talking about. I think many of us have heard the story of Cain and Abel. Abel was the second son of Adam and Eve. Cain was his first son, right? Was their first son. And Abel became their second son. And we hear about, we've heard about the story of Cain and Abel. These two were brothers, right? And, and one killed the other because of jealousy, of anger that drove him to kill his brother. Let's, you know what? Let's open up to Genesis. Let's, let's read about this. Genesis 4. In Genesis 4, it gives us the events of Cain and Abel. And I'm just going to read it quickly because just to give you an understanding of it, not that we're going to expound in this, just to give you an understanding. It says there in verse 1, it says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep. He was a shepherd. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. He was a farmer. Verse 3 says, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. So Cain brings something, you know, that he's harvested, some fruit. And then verse 4 says, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. We see here the offerings. One of them is respected and the other one is not. And this is by the Lord. And verse 5 says, But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? This is the Lord speaking to Cain, right? To the eldest son. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. We see here, we get a good indication of what's going on here. Right? We see the fact that the Lord has spoken to Cain about his offering. His offering, something lacked with his offering, right? 
And we see here that the Lord tells them that your offering would have been accepted. But, lie, but sin lies at your door. In other words, you know what? The offering from Cain was not one from the heart. See, because what consumed the heart of Cain was sinful pleasures. See, it's like many people, right, that come to church. And our churches are filled with them, right? Let's say, I love you, Lord. But yet, they practice sin. And we know that the Lord, as his word tells you, or has told us that when they face him, they're gonna be, he's going to be telling them, why did you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? See, many of us can come to church, right, and we do the right things. We come to church, and, and we're thinking, okay, by me coming to church, you know what? I'm in right standing with God, right? Or if I help the poor, or I go help the orphans, or if I give money to the church, you know what? Then I'm doing good. But that's not what it's about. It's about your heart. The heart that needs to be right. See, that your heart produces what is acceptable to God. If you love God, then you're going to do what is pleasing to God because that consumes your heart. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, right? If we go back to Hebrews... We're going to see here what the Lord said about Abel's sacrifice. He says that by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. It was by faith that made Abel's sacrifice excellent. It was his faith in God. See, because when he made a, a choice to say yes to God... His life displayed that. And it came out in his worship of God when he sacrificed what he gave to God. See, it was a more excellent sacrifice. And some people start talking about, well, you know what? It was better because it was an animal and it covered the, the sins of Abel and, and the offering that Cain gave. It was because it was from the ground, but do you remember as we've been going through the sacrifices that God accepts a grain offering, which was a meal offering, as well as an animal sacrifice? We are given the reason why in Hebrews it was more acceptable or it was an excellent sacrifice because it was done by faith. See, Faith moved Abel to worship God the way God desired to be worshipped. It was a lifestyle. It just wasn't on Sunday or on Thursday, but it was 24-7. That is what worship is, right? Worship is loving God, not just on Sundays or Thursdays, but it is throughout the week. 
It is at your jobs. It is at, your, at the supermarket. It is at home as a father, as a mother, as a child, as a son, as a daughter. Whatever it is, if you love God, you're going to do all that you do in honor of God. And that is the life that Abel lived. And you know what this lifestyle caused for Abel? His life. It took his life because of his love for God. See, and this is what the Lord is talking about. You know, when it comes to our faith choices, it's going to bring some hardship, right? It was willing. To, it, it took the life of Abel. And for us, you know what? It can possibly take our life. But we know that even when our faith is subject to death, we have victory. You know why? Because you will spend eternity with God. And this is why he says that God testifies of his gifts even till his death it speaks. Abel is in heaven. He received the great reward. And not only because of this, he will be honored throughout eternity. His name is spoken of in the hall of fame for saints. Something for us to look at. See, when we look at it, when we look at this, many of us have relatives, right? You see how they live. You see how your brother, sister, mother, father live that may not be believers. How many times have they mocked you? How many times have they ridiculed you? Spouses, husbands, wives. All of this happens to us, right? But did it stop Abel from serving God? It moved on to continue to walk in faith. This is an example for us to follow. And the next example, as we read in verse 5, it says, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Enoch. And let's read quickly in Genesis chapter 5. In Genesis chapter 5, in verse 21, it talks about this man, Enoch. And it says there in Genesis 21, Chapter 5, Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. And he begot Methuselah. Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. I don't know if you noticed this, but. It was that after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. Prior to that, it doesn't appear that he may have been walking the way he's walking now. But now, after he begot his son, he was walking now with God for 300 years. Isn't that amazing? What does it mean to walk with God? When we look at this, right? It means to walk with them, to 
spend time with him, right? When you walk with somebody, what are you doing? You know, I, I've been walking a lot with my daughter, my little eight-month-old Selah. And you know what I'm doing with her? I'm in the stroller and walking around and just talking, and, and we're spending time with one another, right? When you walk with somebody, when you, you're spending time with them, right? When you take a walk, many people love to walk along these paths here, right? And what are they doing with one another? They're spending time with one another. And that is what we see in Enoch. He spent time with God. He was consumed with God. He would talk to God. He would hear from God. We get an indication that he was always with God. Even though he had a life to live, even though he had children, he was still consumed with God. Can we say that for ourselves? You know, how much time do you spend praying in the morning or throughout the day? How many times do we acknowledge God throughout the day? Do we even read His Word throughout the day? We have an example of a man that walked with God, that pleased God. And because of this, God decided to take him. Isn't that incredible? He deals with everybody differently, right? We saw with Abel, right? That he was martyred. The first martyr of the Bible was Abel. But we see here with Enoch that he was one that God took. Because God loved him. He was consumed with God. And his desire was to please God is what the word of God says. If his desire was to please God, that means that he wasn't pleasing the world or walking with the world. How many of us were in this world, right? Are we walking with God? Are we pleasing God? Or are we walking and pleasing the world? See, God's desire is that, we would, that our faith in Him would move us to please Him. Remember, faith moves you to do something, right? Our faith would move us to walk with Him, to please Him. And this is a message that He has for us. Don't let us be consumed with the world and its pleasures. And the last one we're going to look at in Hebrews is in chapter, in verse 6. You know, before I go there, I, I did want to share something with you as I'm looking at the word here. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. I can't overlook this. Did you know that without faith, you cannot please God? This is what it's telling us, right? Everything we do becomes a faith choice. Are you pleasing God with the choices that we make? If you know and believe that He is God, this should move you to love Him, right? To live by faith. Making choices of obedience. Making choices that prove your love for Him. And what he says there, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We come to an understanding that our reward, we have heavenly rewards. 
Yes, God may bless us here while we're walking on earth, but that isn't what we truly walk for. That isn't truly what is important. It is the spiritual blessings that we receive from God. And the word of God tells us that he is a rewarder of these who seek him. He gives this to us. And the reward that we receive, we know is what? Is eternity. Is fellowship with God. See, Enoch, we know one thing about Enoch is that God took him, right? He was the first one to be taken, right? As we see here. And to be taken out without dying means that he walked from this physical into the spiritual realm. Somehow his body had to be transformed from physical to spiritual nature. See, this is what's going to happen to us. When God comes for his church, we are going to be raptured. And we know as you look at the world today, the signs are there that the Lord is coming soon. And if he's coming soon, are we going to be taken like Enoch because we walked with God and we pleased him? Or are we going to be left behind because we loved the world and we were pleasing the world and the things of the world? It is God's desire to take us all. If you have faith in God, it's going to move you to walk and to please him. I won't be able to get into Noah because we're running out of time. We have communion today. Noah is also an awesome illustration of what it means to be moved by faith. No matter the persecution, the opposition he received, he walked by faith. He moved by faith. And that is God's desire for us all. We do know one thing, that for us, before we are moved by faith, we have to come to the faith, right? And that is the opportunity that I give us all. Before we have communion, I want to share this with you. I'm going to give you the opportunity, if you haven't surrendered yourself to Jesus Christ, to receive the forgiveness of sins, to be restored into fellowship with God. I give you that opportunity now. So let us close our eyes and bow our heads, and I'm going to pray and give you the opportunity to make yourself right with God. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your teaching on faith, Lord the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, how it moves us because of our faith in you to do things that are impossible, to do things that are extraordinary, Lord, because we know that you are real. But we know that we first need to come to the faith. If there are any here that may not have done this yet, if there are any here that haven't surrendered yourselves to Jesus Christ, we're going to give you that opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to invite him in for the forgiveness of sin, to give you eternity. Is there anyone here that would like to do that now? If you would, raise your hand and we will pray for you. Anyone that wants to receive Jesus, raise your hand. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else before we close? Lord Jesus, you saw these three hands that went up, Lord. They're inviting you in, Lord. They want all you have for them, Lord. 
This is already a miracle, Lord, that you are displaying before their eyes, Lord, that they are saved by you, Lord, because they couldn't save themselves. We thank you for them, Lord, and we give you praise, glory, and honor for them, Lord. Keep them and do a great and a glorious work, Lord. May they walk to please you and not the world, Lord. May they walk with you. We love you, Lord. If there are those that are struggling with your faith and you want the Lord to help you with your faith, I also want to give you this opportunity. Is this any of you, if you want the Lord to help you with your faith, raise your hand and we will pray for you. Amen, amen, amen. Lord, you see all of these hands are going up, Lord. As you told a loved one to believe. And he told you to help them with their unbelief. That is what these people are asking you, to help them now, Lord. And we know that you will not disappoint, Lord, for they have humbled themselves before your mighty hand and you will exalt them. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I'd like the men to come forward as they're going to be passing out communion. Go ahead and pass it out. As these men are passing out communion, I'm just going to share with you. I usually read from the scriptures, but I want to share with you today just what this new covenant is that was made by his blood. The new covenant by the blood of Christ is the fact that if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. The old covenant called for obedience in order to receive the blessings of God. The old covenant called for obedience to be right with God. But when he says that the new covenant has been given by his blood, that means that God sacrificed himself, that God gave himself for each and every one of us. He shed his blood for you. So that your sins could be forgiven. So that you can have restored fellowship with God. And did you know that when you say yes to Jesus? When you place your faith in Him? Your sins are forgiven. Because He paid the penalty that you should have paid. And because you've place your faith in him and he's paid the penalty for your sins, you'll spend eternity in the presence of God. This is a new covenant that was done by his blood. And we know that one thing, that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And he was the final and once and for all sacrifice that needed to be made. And one thing that we know is that the Lord says in his word 
that he wants us to continue to do this until his return. God's desire is that we would remember what he's done on the cross because he paid such a horrific price. He left glory to come down to earth to give up his life for the ransom of many. And what he says is when we take communion, he tells us, you know, this bread, as we look at it, as you see it, it has holes and it has stripes on it. It has been broken for you. Each one of these pieces have been broken and we have one of these pieces for us. And he says to take communion in remembrance of me, to take it, to remember what he's done. And with that, I want all of us to take it. And he also said that this cup is a cup of the new covenant that was done in his blood as I've been speaking to you about. And he says to do this in remembrance of me. And with that, I want us to partake of it now. And we just thank the Lord for, for what he's done. And I want, as, we, uh, as we're concluding our service today, we're going to have fellowship. We're going to have a Christmas fellowship. There's going to be some nice and good food for us to fellowship and to eat and to spend time with one another. But before we do that, I, want, I would like uh, Ron to pray for our food. Amen. Amen. While we can't close in worship, we've run out of time. But uh, I would encourage you all to please join us in the back.